episode 196 of the sleeper in the bust it is thursday and i am paul spore joined by eno saris eno how are you good good i've uh, i've got news it's unfortunate for those who may um have a draft this weekend but uh the poxion calculator is uh is early next week and, and i think i think we're locked into monday so to so check a look at the site on Monday. And you'll see something. And that's, again, if you've even figured out what that means, because it is a pretty, <laughs> you know, it's a next level kind of coding system. <laughs> if you figured out what that is, then you're a little bit bummed. Maybe if you have a draft this week or, or, or a pauction. Um, but, you know, most of us don't even start pauctioning until March. So you should be all right. So keep an eye out for that. And if you've got, if you've got standard, if you've got a standard league, just ping me. Ping me, and maybe we can figure something out privately. There you go. There you go. Eno Saris on Twitter, all one word. I'm at Sporer. Don't ping me for that. I'm just letting you know where I am on Twitter. <laughs> and it's not that I wouldn't help you. It's that I didn't offer the help Eno did. So <laughs> you can tweet him for that help. You can tweet me just for fun. Either way. Uh, but we're going to dive right into the news. We have, some, we have some news finally. It's starting to really trickle in now with everyone kind of reporting. Reporting. What was that? Reporting to camp. And uh, it's some bad news early on, unfortunately. First one's jerks to Profar. He's going to undergo sh- shoulder surgery next week. And uh, it's just going to put a huge cramp in his season. We don't know exactly yet what it is. Um, I've been seeing reports that it might be for a torn labrum. Actually, no, that's been confirmed now. That it will be for a torn labrum. So we don't have a clear timetable, but he's really... I mean, he could miss the season again, and that, and he's super young, but this is still really bad for his development. There's no way to spin it. You can't just say age and it's fine. This is not good. Yeah, it'd be, it's kind of amazing. I guess you know, if he if he was just in the minor leagues and was a 21 year old, uh, he might be, you know, some. I don't know. Like, what? How do you think about Jose Iglesias? You know, he he's missed more than a, than a full season. And uh, I think there's a lot of trepidation about him in, in some ways. So, um, you know, there's still reason to be excited in that he did manage to basically walk as much as he struck out in the minor leagues, show good power, show speed. But every year takes a little bit of that ceiling away. And, uh, you know, his, my, my, his minor league results weren't really the same in the majors. So there's still some reason to, to be worried about him. There's a lot more reason to love Odor this year. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, Odor was raking last year. He's not, you know, the, the most refined hitter, um, also but he's not young. that terrible either. You know, he also super young. And then, um, you know, I showed in a piece for Fox uh, that the pitchers, were throwing fewer fastballs as the season went on because they were afraid that he would crush them. So, um, you know, I think he's, uh, he's not, he's going to be more of like, um, you know, a low walk, um, low strikeout guy, but I think he can be aggressive, you know, not, not a great on base percentage league guy, but I think he can be aggressive, you know, steal a few more bags with a bit, with a bit better success rate. Um, and uh, and do a lot of the things in a batting average league that you might expect out of Profar. I mean, a, a decent batting average, you know, 12 to 15 homers, 
uh, 10 to 15 stone bases. I think he can still do, still do yeah, all then, that. And then there's upside for more if it comes together even more quickly for the 21-year-old Odor. But uh, back to Profar for a moment. Let's just say you're in a keeper league. We'll call it a dynasty or an AL only. Doesn't really, you know, just something where obviously he's going to be in play here. But you're you're a regular team. You're not necessarily stacked to win this year. You're also not rebuilding. Are you going out and getting Profar? His price is going to be cheaper. It simply is. It's not necessarily going to be rock bottom. But compared to what it was on the heels of this news, it will be cheaper. Are you going out to get him, or is it strictly dependent on the price? You know, I think I prefer, even in my dynasty leagues where I'm not sure about my team, to go into the season thinking I'm going to be competitive. Yeah. And it all stems a bit from an argument I had with Dave Cameron online in front of everybody, <laughs> which I will admit, I think he he won the argument. Um, I, I came into the argument thinking, you know, what the Marlins did was great. Pump and dump, you know, you know, build up for, for a certain window, you know, be competitive in that window and then just get rid of everybody when you're not competitive. I thought that was, that made a lot of sense. In the meantime, of course, the two wildcard system has, has shifted, you know, the way that the baseball works Absolutely. a little bit um, and made Cameron more right. But even before that, I think he was right in that there's so much give, you know, if you look at our projections, we have everybody between like 88 wins and, and 78 wins or, you know, 75 wins, something like that. So, you know, things bouncing a certain way can put you into the playoffs. You know, you, you can be a mediocre team and make it to the playoffs and we saw with the two wildcard system now, everybody's in. So, you know, I think the same thing is in fantasy. I mean, you, you just really want to get into the money or you want to get into the, the playoffs if it's head-to-head -head, and you want to build a team that's good and you want to get good wherever you can at any position, any place. And it means to me a lot of times trade your prospects, you know. And so I wouldn't necessarily trade for – I wouldn't trade major league talent for Profar right now because – a, we don't know that Profar is going to be any better than he was. B, you're, you're a year off. And C, I would build for this year. So, But I do think he makes a great in-season acquisition for a team that is clearly done. Yeah. 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 If, you, yeah. if, if so you're I packing it in uh, you know, in June and you realize that you, you, you've gotten three big injuries, your, your, your pitcher sleepers didn't hit, and you're looking toward 2016, then go out and get him. But other than that, I agree with you. I have no interest in acquiring him right now. Yeah, because it, you know, then it's six months so you get them instead of twelve months or whatever. So yeah. Well, um, okay. So there's some very, you know, it's it's good and bad news though because if you were an Odor guy, it is good news for him. It's it, the the circumstances under which it comes kind of stinks, but that's a, that's all right. Hopefully, Profar gets healthy and starts to pan out on that super sky high ceiling that he does have. So next guy is going to be out eight to twelve weeks, and I think everyone kind of knows about this by now because uh, it hit a couple days ago. Kenley Jansen had some foot surgery pretty much immediately after reporting, and uh, you know, like I said, he's going to miss the eight to twelve weeks. The in-house options are light, but it doesn't seem prudent for them to go out and necessarily uh, pay for somebody. And yeah, they do have all the money, but uh, I don't necessarily know that this particular group that now headlines that club uh, with Andrew Friedman, Farhan Zaidi. Uh, I don't know that they'll necessarily go out and, and do something like that, but this brings Brandon Lee, Joel Peralta, JP. Okay, maybe they do need to go get somebody. Now that I look at this 
bullpen a little <laughs> bit more. Maybe the the investment, even though you, you know you're kind of paying this guy as a placeholder if it's a K Rod or a uh, or a Rafael Soriano, but you you just be up front with them right away and say, listen, you know, the second that he comes back, you're still going to be in a high leverage role, but it's going to be the eighth inning. Uh, how do you feel about this now? First, with regards to replacements, and then we'll talk about where we're going to shift Jansen now down the uh, down the rankings. I think honestly, you know, Hall Peralta has done this before and stepped in and been okay for a couple of weeks. And you know, there are some reasons to doubt him. He's been busted for, you know, Guffing. scuffing the ball. Or, yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know, he did kind of go from being a rookie with Homer issues to, to kind of solving that and, and being useful in Tampa. But um, so I think that it's Peralta if it's a short-term solution, but I think this is also a real test and sorry to slip back into to real baseball analysis here again, but you know, there's a lot of people out there who say that the Dodgers have all the money in the world and, Dod- and money doesn't matter. And I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. I think that money matters to every team. You know, and I think that everybody's got a budget and everybody's got a cost center and everybody it's corporate world, you know, and, you know, there's no there's no business out there that's just throwing money around. So, well, the, the Knicks, I mean, <laughs> come on, there are there are yeah. some there are some out there now. It is true, um, yeah, the, uh, they, they probably unloaded a I, bunch of assets today. But, you know, go, go ahead. You're, you're right. But go but go ahead. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I mean. If Soriano's asking price right now, it's 10, 10 mil for a year. I mean, for a guy who's going to come in and maybe give them a half a win, that's uh, pretty expensive. It's you know, I, I don't know, maybe three times the going yeah, rate. And uh, and it, you know, it is okay though because on a one-year deal, you know. But if they can get him down to eight million for one year. This I think that bullpen could actually use Soriano even when everybody's healthy, you know. So I, you know, I think, you know, Soriano to me seems like the the guy who's more likely to 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 capitulate. K Rod has a very high opinion of himself, and um, I mean, so I guess probably Soriano does too, honestly. <laughs> but since there's two of them out there, you can kind of play them against each other. And maybe one of them that will sign for eight. We'll see. We'll see. I, I wouldn't bet too hard on whole Peralta, even because if you're doing this um, now, and A, one of those guys could sign with the Dodgers, and B, it could only be like a week or two. And if it's a week or two, then you, then you, even if Buck you paid might just be a waste. You know, two. Yeah, saves. exactly. And you could have just gotten somebody else who might have been more useful. You know, a Brandon Maurer from uh, San Diego who could, you know be with you all season as a $1 guy and deliver more, even if he doesn't take the job from, from uh, Joaquin Benoit. You know, one bummer is that uh, Chris Withrow's down with Tommy John surgery from last year because yeah. I looked at that man you know, he's too, got some yeah. great stuff out of the bullpen. You know, he had trouble harnessing it necessarily. I think he had a huge walk rate last year. I don't have his numbers up, up in front of me, but I know he throws upper 90s and has some devastating secondary stuff that has tons of wiggle to it. I don't know if it's two extra pitches or just one uh, slider, but um, he might also have a curveball is what I meant. But I know that, you know, that really sucks. He's out with Tommy John because he would have been a natural replacement, I think, at least to audition for it. And that could have been cool. So I agree with you on Peralta. Don't necessarily go out and get him. Uh, but with Jansen now, what, what are you doing with him? 
I was a little um, prescient here, and and I, I shouldn't say that because I wasn't. It's not like I predicted injury, but I had Jansen eighth on my rankings for the uh, for the fan, Fangraphs team rankings, and I had him as ninth at closer. Just be, nothing really against him. It was more kind of propping up the seven I had ahead of him. So everyone else had him three. I assume they'll move him down, and I'll I'll, I'll send him down a couple ticks. But where where are you drafting him now? I like him in the like I, you know Doolittle and him. I think might end up on my yep. teams because um, I I want to get a foot in that in that first tier, and I think they are still in the first tier of, of closers um, as long as you don't make a hard tier after after uh, Chapman and Kimbrell. Yeah. But um, and I, I actually I, I don't think you have to. I think that uh, Kenley Jansen could come back and um, and and Doolittle could could put up numbers that are are similar. Because I, you know, Kimbrel could have fewer saves. It, it, you know, the the correlation there isn't high between team strength and and saves, but there is a little bit yeah. of one. And um, and then Doolittle and and Jansen have great stuff themselves. So it, it becomes like a question of how many walks, a couple bounces of the ball, and a couple homers here and there. So I I think Jansen Doolittle belong in that top tier, and I kind of like him a little bit now that you know. The, you know, there's a little bit of question mark around them. Who knows what Spring will do? Maybe Spring will erase all those question marks. I mean, Doolittle had an MRI and says, you know, remarkable healing. Yeah. And Jensen could come out in a month and start running in spring training and everything's fine. So Yeah, um, I completely agree on, on now now investing if the price push is pushed down. The Doolittle price will be. I actually wanted to get in on Doolittle in labor, uh, but Jason was a little bit more nervous about the shoulder, so we, we went ahead and passed. Look at what Chapman did with just, uh, you know, he missed a month, a month and a half almost last year, and he still got 36 saves. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying that Jansen is Chapman because he doesn't have that same, you know, ridiculous strikeout rate, but he does have a ridiculous strikeout rate. And so, you know, he can definitely go out there, even if he misses a full month, and he can still go out there and put up, a, you know, ace-level closer numbers because he can still get 30. He got 44 saves in six months last year, so he can get 30 in five months. I mean, that easily. So, uh, and if yeah. this team's as good as advertised, then that shouldn't be any problem at all unless they blow everybody out. So um, I would definitely, you know, obviously ranking him eighth while everyone else had him three had me a little down on him by comparison. But now with the discount that should come with that, I'm, re I'm ready to move back in now because I've got no problem investing in both of those potentially seen as uh, broken assets. I, I don't think they're that broken. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, – we're going to talk a little bit more about this team as a whole, but I want to talk about one player specifically here. Chris Owings will be reportedly held out of about 8 to 10 uh, spring training games recovering from a shoulder injury. I assume that this doesn't bother you at all, does it? A little bit. I mean, it'd be nicer if he had – it's this one he had surgery yeah. on, right? So, I mean, I'd, I'd rather you didn't – he said everything was fine. But and, – and, and I do think, you know – Zimmerman did the show that that arm and shoulder and, and and wrist injuries are worse for hitters than leg injuries. So there's a little bit of like you know if you didn't have that shoulder surgery, I would say that Owings minor league history suggests that a power uh, outburst could be coming. But I just don't think that you can say the same thing. So you know I I think that uh, Steamer's pessimism, like with Odor, I would say. I, I see. I take the over on the power numbers because you can see how pitchers pitched him. He's young. He really, you know, really came on in the second half. You know, there's there's a lot of things aligning there. 
with Owings, it's kind of the reverse, you know, the, 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 the natural pessimism of the projection systems, I think is uh, probably a good thing in this case. So I, w- I would, I wouldn't pay for much more than 260, 1010 or whatever. Yeah, and you might be able to get kind of a beat on what Profar might be like when he returns by kind of watching Owings here. At least see, you know, it's not a one-to-one. I wouldn't use it perfectly, but he had surgery to replace a, a, a left labrum in October, did Owings, and that's exactly the surgery that Profar is going to have. So, uh, yeah, I, I would be careful over there with, with Owings. I like him. I have always have. I was kind of interested in the breakout myself, but shoulder, you got to be careful, especially when you're looking for pop. Uh, Baltimore Orioles are apparently close to a deal. It hasn't been finalized yet with Everett Cabrera. I've seen some speculation on him. You know, folks drafting him before he had any sort of position. They're just figuring he plays a plays a rare position and he can run. Obviously, you know, he's been in trouble. Uh, he had a, he had a PED suspension, but he's he's shown some things in the past. You know, we've seen a season of Everett Cabrera hitting 283. We've seen a couple of great stolen base seasons, 44, which led the National League back in 2012, and then 37 back in 2013, and only 95 games. Last year he was held to just 90 games, though. He hit like crap, and uh, he stole 18 bases, but he was, I think, 18 for 24. Uh, so it, it wasn't his best rate, that's for sure. How do you feel about Everest Cabrera as part of the Baltimore Orioles, assuming that they go through with it? We know they're stingy with their uh, physicals, so he might, he might not even pass the physical. Right, that's a good point. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that a weird thing that I just saw is that Cabrera and and Scope just had the same weighted runs created plus last year. Oh, wow. So they were, they were both, uh, even as bad as Cabrera was, he was just as bad as Scope. And that's kind of weird to say because Scope hit, 16 exactly. homers and but, it gives you this perception yeah, of him yeah but uh you know there was just so many strikeouts and and not many walks and um I, you know i honestly i don't exactly know how it's, this is possible but it, <laughs> it is possible i guess yeah um, almost a 10 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio did uh scope yeah i guess that's part of it and then the other part is uh maybe some adjustment for the park petco yeah, is the two parks it's I think one's created plus yes is park adjusted one was good so yeah so even though his wobble his wobble was way worse his one's created plus was about equal because uh scope played in a park that helped him hit those 16 homers so that's that's relevant it is re- relevant I think because um that was the second worst uh, season of, of Cabrera's career and he's projected to go back to to an 82 um runs created plus while um uh, scope is projected to be 78. So there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a you know veteran sure thing on a team that's competing. There's a little bit of that that ability to maybe sneak in there at second base. Um, you know, uh, and then the the last thing is Hardy. The back thing scares me a little bit, and he's getting into this age where I'm not sure about him. So I, I, you know, I think there could be some missed games over at short. So I, I think that Cabrera's projection should probably, you know, um, let me see what he's projected for right now. Uh, we've got the depth charts may not be, you know, they're not going to be updated yeah. yet because Steamer has them for 550, you know, just on whatever team I might be more conservative. Um, he's never had 550 plate appearances for whatever reason. There's lots of reasons for that, but, um, you know, PEDs and injuries and stuff. But I would be more conservative and probably peg him for 450 or 400 
he'll probably end up being relevant in most leagues, even at 400 played for I projected him for some latent power to kind of come through last year and didn't really see much of that. Obviously, you know, he only played 90 games, three homers. But now in this ballpark, I think Everett Cabrera, you know, and again, when I say latent power, I'm not even talking double digits, really. I'm just talking upper single digits. But that's doubling your, your power output. And if you're stealing 30 bases with, with eight, nine homers at shortstop, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's also possible. Right now, Steamer has him for five homers and 30 stolen bases and 550 plate appearances. I'd probably walk that at least back to 503 and 25 or something just to be on the um, conservative side early in the spring. Later in the spring, if things are starting to look different, and this is one of those things you just got to watch. I think they're going to talk about it, and they're going to be the, the coach is going to be asked about it every other day, and you know, you know, they're inviting a bit of a, a zoo into there, into there, especially with uh, Cabrera's history. And the, the you know, I, I had to apologize once for, for saying that um, Cabrera had a DUI and somebody said, no, that was a DWI. It was, it was pot. But I was, I, I talked to someone recently. They reminded me, no, no, no. He has a DUI and a DWI. Oh, so yeah, not so only this, did you not have to apologize, but you undersold his criminal activity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're owed the apology. There's there's a there's a little uh, wife beating in there too for good action. Jeez. So I think that's that's why the the Mets uh, said no, thank you, because the Mets obviously could use help at shortstop. The Toronto Blue Jays said no, thank you. They could obviously use help at second base. So you know he only got two million dollars after a couple of seasons that you know should have pushed his arbitration value higher. So. You know, there's a reason that people are out on him. I don't necessarily think that he's he's going to do it again. I mean, hopefully there's some sort of wake-up call in there. But, you know, it, it, maybe it's like injury. Maybe it's just going to happen again. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope he cleans up his act with regards to following the laws and the rules of, of baseball because this guy's got talent and this is his livelihood. So, you know, hopefully he can wake yeah. up. Uh, let's talk some AL West, or excuse me, NL West. Let's start some team previews there. We're going to jump into Arizona, and we talked a little bit about Owings, um, but now we can talk about some hitters that we might be interested in. Who's your favorite hitter at current costs from this uh, interesting, I put in air quotes, uh, ball club? You know, I think Trumbo's really falling low, and, you know, to the point where he's like a util pick in a lot of leagues. And this is a guy that was supposed to come in and maybe hit 40 homers in Arizona. And I know it didn't work out that way, but I think injury was a big part of that. And from you know what I gather from talking to him, it just it was just hard for him to to get it all right. And when when I said when I tried to give him the injury as an out, he said, you know, sometimes you just have a bad year. And um, he seemed really down. And you know, sometimes you just have a bad year. I mean, he's he did follow a bad year in the with the Angels with the, with a year that looked remarkably similar in terms of on base percentage and strikeout rates and walk rates and everything. But um, I do think that a full year of reps, um, I, I, I'd take the over on his projections, and that means I'm taking the over on his draft. Yeah, Tr- Trumbo is a guy who I thought was being overdrafted last year uh, because everyone was projecting the, the, the 40 homer outburst potential because, you know, he'd done 30 a, a, a two couple years in a row in the tougher league, t- in a tougher ballpark than the one he was going to. So I got I got it. But, uh, you know, that that much swing and miss can, can put you in some trouble. And then, of course, no, I didn't see the injury coming. I just thought he'd stay the guy that he was, which is a solid 30 and 
whatever guy. And I say whatever because the RBI is really going to be more based on that club. And he was going from a pretty good club that had Mike Trout headlining to Arizona, you know, which he was going to be able to drive in Goldschmidt. But was there going to be anybody else? Looks like he's finally starting to move up a bit. I got him now uh, for NFBC as the 29th outfielder off the board. Uh, I, I swear I saw him in the 50s for outfielders, uh, you know, coming in, you know, right when NFBC season had just kind of started having drafts that counted. So at that price, I mean, he's, not, he's not 30 yet. He's not turning 30 this season either. So I'm not I'm not playing funky numbers here. He's he's 29 years old and that's a little early to fall. Off a cliff. No, that's the thing. I don't think he I don't think he's going to just be falling off a cliff here. I think this is a good power. And we talk about power potential and how, how rare it is to find legitimate power. This is a guy you should probably be interested in in a lot of leagues. Because the price, I think, is is smoothed out nicely. It was too much last year. Also, it's smoothed out nicely now. It, it, a little bit similar to Jay Bruce, and, and I, I also think Jay Bruce's uh, price is a little bit low. But uh, also an opportunity for maybe both of them to play their way off a bad team. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely for for Trumbo. Absolutely, if they if they you know I'm actually I think Cincinnati can be okay, but I think Arizona can be really really bad. And, and yeah. so uh, as we'll get to when we try to find pitchers to talk about on this club. So, yeah, I totally get you there. If he if he starts raking and, you know, again, not old, like you said, but at 29, they could easily pawn it off as he's not part of the 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 long term future and they can get something good for him. Uh, he went, by the way, he went in the 11th round of the labor mixed draft. So that's still a pretty good price. I mean, he was sandwiched by Danny Santana and Jason Worth. And I think out of those three right now, I would take Trump. I love Jason Worth, but obviously with a shoulder injury, um, I would take Trumbo ahead of him right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's maybe he's equalizing. So maybe you really want to make sure he's he's undervalued in your league. But after the tenth round gong goes, I'm looking and I'm looking for power. I mean, who else are you gonna? Yeah, find? you're not you're not gonna find that that kind of power that is established either, you know, because if you're talking like a Chris Bryant or even a teammate, Yasmani Tomas, neither of them have done it. Trumbo's done it. Trumbo is a 30 home run hitter uh, easily, which means he, he's a 40 home. He, that, that's just some wind, you know, as Ron Chandler likes to say, it's some errant wind gusts. He's got 40 potential when you're showing the capability to hit 32 and 34, you've got the chance, especially when you can take advantage of some parks like your own home park and Coors. So, um, yeah, Trumbo's somebody to take a look at. For me, I, I really like AJ Pollock. Uh, unfortunately, that one's not terribly original. I know a lot of folks are are pretty in on him. Thankfully, it hasn't super inflated his price. I I, I do worry about that as we approach draft season, though. Um, I do think he could get overinflated. He's sitting right now as the 48th outfielder off the board around pick 190, and so I can deal with that because I like his power speed combo. He's shown more of the speed than the than the power at the majors so far, but I think he's really got both. He was off to a great season last year, and then ran into injury. He's you know kind of right in the midst of 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 his prime. AJ Pollock's a guy I'm very interested in. The the only caveat I have on that is that he had a 365 Babbitt last year against righties, and he kind of came up as a guy who was going to be a short side platoon mm-hmm. guy. So, but. I'm going to then flip on myself again and say, well, you can look back at his 2013 peripherals against righties, and in a similar amount of plate appearances, he had a 311 Babbitt and a 104 ISO instead of a 365 Babbitt and a 163 ISO. So 
Uh, even with those numbers, he was slightly below average against righties. He, um, you know, those years, he, you know, he still mashes lefties. And Pollock, you know, in 2013, um, you know, had a 269 batting average and, you know, was on pace for 20 stolen bases and 10 home runs. So I think that's where I would value him. And that's where Steamer has him. The fans are a little bit excited, but I'm not sure he can keep that Babbitt up against righties. I think that's that's where the inflation came in a little bit. And that's the only thing that makes me nervous is that I would take the Steamer uh, projection here over the fans just because I think that you have to remember how people were evaluated. And, you know, there's also a decent amount of play in that outfield in terms of Enciarte, um, who the, the new guys at Rotographs, the Smurlock brothers, liked Enciarte for, for zone percentage reasons. They saw pitchers pitching them differently. and um, you know, David Peralta is an old dude that used to be a pitcher, but they have tons of years of control mm-hmm. left, and and he can play some center. So you got Peralta and Enciarte are, are really more center-type guys. And if Pollock falls back against righties, he could find himself in a platoon pretty quickly with one of those guys. So there's there's some risk there, and uh, it comes mostly out of his work against righties. So I'll value him at a, at a 260, 10-20 kind of guy. A lot of that gain for Pollock came against the fastball. Um, which I actually don't like because then they can just stop throwing him so many fastballs. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if it was something that was a, an approach change for him. I, I, I haven't dug into it enough. I just pulled up those numbers pretty quickly. So uh, maybe I'll look further into that to see if there's anything at least somewhat sustainable, maybe not fully sustainable, but if there's a little bit of sustainability to it. But either way, like you said, even at the 10 20, We've talked before that that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a guy that if you're if you're getting it with like a 265, 270 average, that's a very worthy asset. And if there is the since there is the upside for more, I still I still like Pollock. Let's talk pitching on this club. Wait, let, we have to talk about one oh. guy. We have to talk about Who's one that? guy. And I I've been saying uh, fade fade this guy, fade that guy in the past. I just wanted to clarify to some people who may not know what that is. I don't actually – I think it's a betting yes. term. I'm not really sure. Yeah, and it just basically means bet against them or don't bet right. on them. And um, I think that is exactly how I would describe my feelings about Yasmani Tomas. I don't think I will own one single share of his this year because, you know, we did have a piece today by Alex Chamberlain, which pretty much summed it up a little bit. He's had He has the worst plate discipline of any of the Cubans that have come out so far. And normally in Cuba, you strike out less than you walk and uh, if you're good. And he didn't do that. Yeah. And then you have Diane Vicieto, who struck out just a little bit more than he walked. And then you have Yosemite Tomas, who struck out a ton more than he walked in Cuba. So, you know, Chamberlain did a little regression analysis and says that he would project Tomas for something like a 30, uh, 30% strikeout rate and a 4% walk rate. Oof. <laughs> so... That's that's before we talk about power. Yeah. If he, you know, Diane Vistiedo did something similar and had some power, but it didn't work out. So, you know, also a lot of people laughed at the idea that he could play third. So uh, I think that's still something that people need to think about. He may not be able to play third. Um, that takes away a positional value. So now you're talking about an outfielder. You basically, I, I would, if you can value him as Diane Vistiedo and he's useful to you, then go ahead and buy him. But I just don't think people are going to pay Diane Vicieto prices for Yasmani no. Tomas. I think they're going to pay much more. 
and they're going to forget about Diane Vicieto, and then all of a sudden we will remember about Diane Vicieto. That's, that's right. I, I got to tell you, you know, if you if you look at the if you'd seen the breakdown, I had a Tomas question lined up. I wasn't going to let us get away without talking Tomas. <laughs> we just do the hitter pitcher first, and then dive into the questions. But um, I hear you. That oh, is terrifying right. on that on that strikeout walk. I'm now opening up the rundown. Sorry. No, that's all right. I just wanted to tease you on that. But that that that. Uh, that, that, those findings by Chamberlain are terrifying. I mean, that's that, that's unbelievable. Um, you know, Javier Javier Baez might think that that's a good strikeout to walk ratio, but nobody else does. You, you, so yeah, Tomas was somebody that just not really on my radar at all. So that doesn't change anything for me, except just maybe to solidify it. But uh, like you said, there's a lot of folks who are aggressive. He's not being priced like a Diane Vicieto at all. In fact, he went. In the same, um, or actually just around before the aforementioned Javier Baez. So um, they, they could be swing and miss brothers standing side by side on your draft team if you really want, because I won't take them from you. I will have zero shares of both of those. Did, well, I have one of Baez already from the super early draft in Arizona when I, I didn't have a shortstop. But uh, yeah, that was on in November before I really got a chance to digest and, and I wouldn't have done before he took out 44% of the time in Puerto Rico. I mean, it's so bad. So, so bad. I, I mean, I, I won't take him. I, I hope he does well. And I, I'm a, I'll continue to watch him swing from his heels, but I just don't right. want it on my clubs. I just don't. Yeah. All right, let's talk pitching. This could be a short conversation though. I know you like some of these guys, so you'll get a chance to kind of talk about them, but I know that you're not necessarily uh, over the moon about their their prospects this year because they're they're raw guys because I, I like some of the same ones so go ahead and pick one and I'll pick the other. Um, or pick whoever you want really, but I just I'm trying to guess that you're going to pick one of the assets. Well, actually, it's sort of it's funny that you uh, took the negative tone. It is it is there is a reason to take a negative tone. You're right. It's it's uh, flotsam and jetsam in a way, but. I actually, I love this kind of staff because some of these guys are going to get full-time roles. Absolutely, this year. and that's why I do like some of the gambles. But they were acquired for a reason. I think this is. I think there's a bit of a. I, I'm almost stymied by your question because I don't know which one to pick because I like so well, many. Start so, with your first one, then I'll do one, and if you want to do a third, I will definitely be open to that. I could go beyond that, <laughs> but um, I will take the guy that I like. For mixed leagues, and it's funny because our depth charts do not have him in the top five, but I think he's safely in the top five. Chase Anderson, to mm-hmm. me, has already shown enough. Um, I don't know why. Maybe someone's read something from somebody that he's not in the top five. But you know, with uh, Iffy Babbitt and with bad homer luck last year, he was he was cromulent. He was good, and the the swing strike rate. I mean, I'm talking standard peripherals. You know, so I'm, you know, it's 10% swing strike rate basically. You know, eight strikeouts per nine, three walks per nine. This is all this is all stuff that gets you a major league job. So I think he's he's in there. And then the reasons that I like him beyond that are that his his curveball is good. And you know, we talked about it a lot. And he said the curveball was is why I'm here, not the changeups, because he has these two changeups. He he can kind of pronate a little bit more to make it go further. Uh, and he's known for his changeup. But it was when the curveball clicked, kind of like Degrom, where you know. If you're looking at his minor league numbers and you're looking at, you know, no prospect guys liked him, no scouts liked him, he didn't really have that breaking ball. And then it finally clicked for him in the minor leagues. 
he's not necessarily like I, you know, I wrote the piece. He's not the same pitcher anymore. He's not necessarily the same pitcher that the people saw all the way along the line. So I see a guy who's got above average or averages velocity, good command, really good changeup, and pretty good curveball. And already already struck out eight guys per nine. Is projected to strike out eight guys per nine. I don't I don't know what the problem is. I like Chase Anderson. I think in fact he's projected to have the best ERA on that staff. So. On the, in the top seven of that staff. So I, I think he'll float to the top. And he's the guy, you ask, would I pick a guy in the mix in, in the mixed league? He's the guy that I would pick in the mixed well, league. Well, and I fully agree because uh, Jason and I actually did pick him in a mixed league. Um, <laughs> and I'm very much sold on him. I mean, that's everything you said is, is very similar to what his um, starting pitching guide profile looks like. You know, I, mean, I even mentioned the fact that he is slotted on the outside looking in, but I don't agree with that. And now only guy, if he doesn't win the spot, dip deep mixed league viability. If he wins the spot, keep an eye on him. And then I mentioned a bunch of the same stuff you did. So yeah, I'm with you on chase Anderson. And then uh, we actually took, t- you know, it's funny. I made all those cracks, but Jason and I took two, uh, two Arizona Diamondbacks pitchers uh, on our team. So I, I can't hate them that much. But uh, obviously the hopes are low for these guys. We're just hoping that things come together, catch lightning in a bottle. The other guy's Ruby De La Rosa, you know, joining his third third organization. And he's going to be 26 this year. So he's he's on kind of his last, he's still young card. Um, and, and even that one's a bit tattered. Uh, I don't know if it's redeemable everywhere. Because, you know, it, we, we're getting toward the end of it there with regards to being able to just say, well, you know, he's still young. He's coming along. He's coming along. And th- there's by no means running out of time. But let's start seeing some movement forward instead of stagnation. Um, he has had bits of four seasons in the majors, but two of those were pr- pretty much washed out. Came up in 2011 with the Dodgers, showed some really imp- impressive stuff gets traded in the big Boston deal and then from Boston to Arizona here. He's really only had like one season in the majors. I mean, 101 uh, innings last year. The other time it was 61 innings and then 12 innings combined those other two years. So, you know, even though the age is creeping up, the miles aren't really yet. He's got blazing stuff, like just ridiculously good uh, velocity can get up to 98, 99 regularly. Sits 95. The slider is kind of in and out, though. Is the problem? It's just it, it's it's not consistent at all. When you when you you hear that talked about a lot, he's not consistent. He's inconsistent. And you want to know what it's like, and you can't really pinpoint it. Go watch Ruby De La Rosa pitch, because that dude will show you inconsistency to give you a perfect mental image of what it is because (laughs) he'll do it. He'll give you inconsistency within an inning, within an at bat. I mean, whatever you want, maybe within the middle of a pitch, I I should ask Doug if, if he started (laughs) off his delivery perfectly uh, at the beginning and then got inconsistent in the middle, because I wouldn't be surprised, but when it's on, it can be beautiful because the changeup can get going. Now, it's behind. I I really think the slider is his best secondary pitch to go with the fastball. But when the change is on, it's got some good movement. And he can can fool guys. He can make a miss, get the ground balls. Everything's there. But it's just just too rarely there right now. But I want to bet on the come here. The thing that you say about guys getting traded, that means they're wanted assets too. You know, everyone takes the negative tact on that and says, hey, they've been traded twice. What's the problem? You and I, I agree with you. We're like, well, wait, this means several teams have wanted him. 
I'm interested to see what Arizona can do. Good thing it keeps the ball down, though, because that's not the right park to be throwing any fly ball stuff. It's a long way from, from, from producing, but I still like Ruby De La Rosa. The, the peripherals, I think, that speak to your inconsistency, if, if people are looking at Brooks and want to say, well, how can I, how can I see that? I think uh, you can look at home run percentage. Um, his slider has a, gives up uh, over 1% home runs. So, um, and that's the highest one. So that, I think that's usually um, where you find the worst pitch in a person's arsenal in terms of, of sort of slugging on contact kind of stuff. And then uh, there's a ball percentage category. And, you know, he doesn't command the sinker very well. But the other pitches, you know, if you see something in the 30, 30 to 35% range, you know, even a little bit higher than that, it's okay. Uh, 40% is bad. And then his slider's at 43%. Uh, balls so he he's has problem with that slider you can you can see it in the peripherals you can see it in the numbers and uh, I haven't seen him pitch I didn't somehow I missed him in Boston I saw him in, in LA and that I try to ignore some of the excitement that I have because when he was in LA it was like Julio Urias you yeah. know I was like this guy is gonna so do it good. I mean this guy's got everything um, and I'm, I, I don't want to forget that, but I also don't want to, uh, you know, make him my SP4 in a mixed league just because um, I remember what he was like in L.A. Because I was a little bit of a while ago. But I agree with you on that. And then Let me, let me correct something. I, I, I had it completely reversed, and your numbers made me realize that I'm looking back now at the 2014 SP guide and what I wrote about him this year. The changeup was the good one. The slider was a piece of crap. Sorry. I, I had those two mixed. I, no, you said, you said the slider goes in and yeah, out, and I, I was but, agreeing. But the changeup is the best pitch. Yeah, I, I, I discredited the change, though, and so I, I had those two wrong. I apologize. But, yeah, the slider's remarkably inconsistent. The changeup has more consistency. He needs to get to a point, though, where he can maybe either rely on the change more or get a breaking ball that, that he can trust because that slider, when, when it's on, nobody can hit it, not, not Trout, not Cabrera. When it's off, you and I can hit a double off the wall on it. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the range of it for him right now. Anyway, yeah. continue. I'm sorry. That, that, but that, you know, like you're saying, we don't want to get too hyped on Ruby De La Rosa. He still needs to take those steps forward. That's why he's flyer status only. Talk about another one because, like you said, you really like this staff. I'll let you go, I'll let you go deep on him. But do you want to get Alan Webster in there? Yeah, I definitely got to talk about Alan Webster. And I know uh, anybody from Boston who's listening is, is rolling his eyes right now. I got major blowback from the Boston Twitter community when I said nice things about Alan Webster. They said he, he can't find the plate. He, you should watch his body language. He's he's sweating all the time. He can't he can't he can't. I don't pitch. know if I'd judge it on sweat though. I mean, <laughs> there's some guys out there. X, gotta at least talk about X sweat. Yeah, yeah. Give me his uh, expected sweat. What was the temperature? What what city were they in? I don't know about that. I need an X sweat. Well, the, the the reason that I that I bring it up though is because we said a lot of these things about Carlos Carrasco. I mean, I oh, remember, yeah. I remember the Cleveland community telling me. Oh, I don't know. You like Carlos Carrasco? Dude can't find the mound. He's he's so sweaty out there. They say, oh, he, he no, they, he walks around the mound, man. He has no confidence. This guy cannot command the pitch. He's, you know. And then, you know, he goes to the pen, throws 95 again, you know, realizes he can, you know, throw to the middle of the zone, you know, does a little tweak to his to his arsenal where he throws the slider a little bit more on the changeup. And all of a sudden you got Carlos Carrasco. Nobody can hit this guy. You know, and so Webster's got stuff like you know, he's got a deep arsenal. That's the thing I really like about Webster. And 
honestly, there's a little bit of the shine off on him because Webster was in 2013 was more 94, 95, 96, and was a lot like Ruby, Ruby, whatever you want to call him. It is, it is um, Ruby, even though it looks. If it was Ruby, that'd be great because Ruby is a really funny word to me. <laughs> Like I, I still call him Rubby, like personally, and by personally I mean to myself and my dog. I'm not. I'm not Your even head. joking. I, I will say Rubby, but when I'm on, you know, radio or podcast, I, I the the correct pronunciation is Ruby. So I try to be correct. But other than that, no, Rubby. What a great word, Rubby De La Rosa. Anyway, continue. Uh, sorry. Rub one out. Um. So, uh, you know, now he has above average velocity instead of plus velocity. But if he can get back, and it's not crazy to to think of that he can get back. Sometimes there's a mechanical thing, and especially with a new team saying, oh, you know what, let's clean this up, let's clean this up. And I and I bet you Doug has a lot to say about Alan Webster. It's not perfect mechanics, I know that. You can see that from the command issues that he has. But, you know, I, I will say this. He's got the, he's got one of the best change-up whiff rates in, in baseball, you know, top five. And even the guys from Boston said, yeah, 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 fine. His change-up is great. But, you know, everything else is missing. Well, he got a 16% whiff rate on a slider in 250. The stuff is not missing. That's, that's, it's it's the command of it. Yeah. The stuff is there. Yeah. And it may take – so this is why I'm a little bit – this is why I make him a deep leaguer. It may take a move to the pen like a la Carrasco. You know, it may take – or it may take some, some hard times and may take somebody saying, hey, just throw it to the middle, man. And, uh, and, and But the National League is a great place to do this. You know, pod. You know, not, maybe not the Padres anymore, but you know, still that park a, though. A, yeah, exactly. A nice park on a on a on a cold day, a nice cold day in California, and um, and, and you know, a couple good starts. He starts just saying, you know what, I've got fire. I'm gonna spit it. You know, I think the stuff is there, and it's it's worth paying attention to. It's. Even in a mixed league, I think he's one of these great last-round flyers because if he tears through spring training, he's going to be on everybody's rosters, you know? And he's going to be on, for more importantly, he's going to be in the starting rotation for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He may not get a lot of wins, but there is a good opportunity there for him. And the last guy is Randall Delgado, and that's definitely deep league only. Actually, I would take Corbin in some leagues. Patrick Corbin, I'd take him in in a league where I had like four or five DL Mm -hmm. slots. Um, love to put him on one of those DL slots, but Randall Delgado is a is a deep league sleeper for me. I like him because his sinker sucks, and he started throwing his four seam um, a little bit more last year. So I think if he just quits throwing the sinker, goes with the four seam, he has an excellent changeup himself, and his slider has good whiff rates, and he has the same problem as Alan Webster, but he's shown better command in the past. Right. Uh, and he got a velocity boost last year. So he could be, you know, might be Alan Webster in 2016 and Randall Delgado in 2015 because there are a lot of similarities there. Actually, uh, um, I love Delgado. I've been, I've, been, I've been right there on that train with you now, pretty much, going back to his Atlanta days. Uh, I'm just a big fan of this guy, and I really think there's something there, but he's got to get the opportunity, and it's going to be, you know. It's crowded. Yeah, it's, it's crowded. It's going to be, it's, a, it's on him to kind of show them, hey, you're making a mistake by keeping me in the pen here. Let me get in that rotation because even though they're not a bunch of great arms, there's there's capable ones that have shown more than Delgado to to be trusted in the in the rotation. Um, you know, I was thinking. Fulmenter, for what it's worth, is has a reliever's arsenal. I mean, he's got a fastball and change, and that's it. And it's all Bugs Bunny and over the top. And I, I think Cole Mentor looks like a reliever. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. Don't even get me started on this dude still working in the in the rotation. I don't get it. You know, hats off, but I love the term. It's all Bugs Bunny because it is with Josh Colmenter. No, that, that, that couldn't be better. All right. That, that closes the book on Arizona here. I think we've we've covered them nicely. Let's talk some Colorado and then we'll get out of here. Um, I'm going to make you pick just one hitter. It's hard. It's hard to narrow it down to one. Obviously, pretty much any time they're running out, they're starting eight. You want a good, a good deal of them because of that ballpark. But who do you like best on, on the on the current iteration of the Rockies? Well, I mean, I'm I'm buying Corey Dickerson. I'm I'm actually buying Blackman a little bit more than I think I'm seeing in drafts. But if I could just have one, and almost regardless of draft position, I want Nolan Arenado this year. I just think that he's got a sweet swing. I love watching him play. I can't believe that people said his defense was bad. I think he's really good at defense. Um, I think that the injury that cut well, short— in fairness, he it's... wasn't good at defense yet. He made himself better well, these last yeah, couple years. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I, it's, it's just am, it's amazing I, I, the strides I, that he—it's it, it's unbelievable, and it should be a credit to any—or or not credit, just a role model, somebody to look up to, a model to go after if you are struggling from poor defense in the minors and you're like, man, this is holding me back. <laughs> Reach out to Nolan Arenado and say, what did you do, man? Because you went from, you know, how can we hide this guy at first base to— Gold Glover, who's going to stay on the field every single day, regardless of what he hits on the road because of his amazing defense. Another thing, what's great about it also is it just means that he listens. And, you know, when I interviewed him, I hate, I hope this isn't me bringing my own bias into it, but I, when I interviewed him, I was just totally blown away by how open-eyed he was about his own flaws and about his game and about what he can do to get better. It didn't, it's not quite on the same level as Joey Votto, where Joey Votto is like reading literature out there and trying to really stay on top of any edge he can get. But Nolan Arenado listens to his coaches and is thinking hard about getting better and is willing to to get better. And I think you can already see he's done that with his defense. So I think, you know, the power is only going to get a little bit better. The contact rate is really good for this day and age. I mean, a 12% strikeout rate is going to mean good batting average. So I think you've got a really nice floor and that's represented by his projections because his projections are going to be about floor, I think, in this case. Um, but you've got a 23-year-old uh, in Colorado. I, I know it's a deep position, but if you can get him once the top three or four guys are gone, and you can, and, and you're, and, and and it's like, you know, anything. I think anything after the fourth round, he's he's a steal. I think, you know, because I think he, he hit 25, 26. I think he hit 30 homers. I'm not sure he's going to be this yeah. year. But, I, you know, even this year, I think he can hit 25 homers, have a 300 batting average. Yeah. I'll, I mean, what do you want Beltre to do? That, that That's – yeah, I, I completely agree. I love Arenado. Um, I think he's fantastic. I understand the hype. I know it's getting inflated. But you got to bet on the come with some of these guys because, you know, there's going to be some guys that jump into the first round and we don't – we're trying to identify them. So sometimes you got to take the gamble on the guy who's shown it. And yeah, I keep hearing about his road numbers. I don't really care that much because he's still playing in Colorado. And so I, I can't imagine he could get worse on the road with a 713 OPS there last year. So the chances are that he can get better. And if, then you're pairing that with the homework for Arenado, and all of a sudden you got a superstar. So no, I I, I completely hear you on that. I really like this guy. Um, again, not 
we're not alone here. Arenado is a very popular sleeper, or not sleeper, a very popular, you know, uh, early round pickup. But don't be afraid to jump in there just because it's it maybe a little higher than you thought it was back in November. This guy's a stud in the making. Let's talk also about I want I want to deep dive a little bit more on Blackman. Um, he's not necessarily my like favorite guy, but since you mentioned him, I'm curious what you like about him uh, because obviously p- people are worried that you know you had that huge first month and then kind of you know even evened out if you will fell off whatever but you know even when he quote unquote fell off i think he still put up like a 15 20 pace you know if if you if yeah in fact actually it was 19 and 28 if you just take from may 1st on when he had a 723 lps it's a full season 19 homers and 28 rbis it was 14 and 21 for him so that's still excellent 271 average it wasn't as good as that first month but it's still very good and he's going several rounds after Dickerson. I think maybe you're right. Maybe they need to be closer together. What do you like about Blackman? Well, I mean, it, it got a little worse if you just split it by by halves. You had like a 260 average, five homers, 10 stolen bases. So you're now talking about him as more of a 260, 10-20 guy as a floor. But honestly, I think that the hate has gone so far that they don't see him even as that. You know, the, people are worried that there's a total collapse coming. And we've been talking about 260, 1020 guys, you know, AJ Pollock. Do you have your NFBC up? Yeah. Like how close are how close are AJ Pollock and Charlie Black? See, Blackman went in the sixth. And then oh no, see they're gonna have a big split here because Pollock, I think, went in the eleventh. In the twelfth. So six and twelve. Uh but I also But that's you're looking at one. You don't have the uh, Oh no, oh no sorry, eight. I thought you meant uh yeah, I have I have the other one. I have the full split here Pollock is 48th and Blackman is 23rd okay so so well I think that you know his upside is is higher I mean he showed more power I think that I I'm I'm, 23rd makes me a little nervous let me um look at the epoxy calculator real quick (laughs) guys after him are Yelich Hayward Calhoun Bruce Holiday uh, and then Trumbo are the immediate ones right after him. Going right right after uh, Pence and Cespedes as well. I've got it now set up for two catchers, <clears throat> five outfielders, uh, 260 budget, regular five by five. Oh, look at this. Uh, by steamer values, he is the 11th best outfielder. So 23rd is a value. If, if you're buying in there, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Steamer does you know a decent job of, of of evaluating him because what I would describe Blackman, the reason he sort of fell between the cracks is there's no standout tool. Yeah, you know he's he's not really a center fielder when it comes to defense. He can do it because he's he can run a little bit and he can you know he's an athletic guy, but he's not the most athletic guy. He never you know he's shown some good patience, and I actually think there's decent amount of growth left in his patience actually because he he had two almost full years of triple a where he had 11 percent walk rate so i i think that if anything he's could be more of an asset than he's been in on base percentage leagues uh going forward and i if i take it over on anything in a steamer line it's the is the walk rate but would i take the under on anything in the steamer line i don't really see what i'm supposed to take the under on they they say his strikeout rate's going to get worse it could get a little bit worse but it's still going to be good they say his power is going to get worse. It's still going to be around average. 
You know, it, it's it's the kind of what you would get when you add up a bunch of average tools, yeah. or maybe slightly above average when it comes to speed. But if you add all that up together, you get kind of your 2020 guy, you know? And, um, you know, it, it isn't, you know, a lot of people are going to say, look too much at that second half. And I think you put all the halves together when, you, when you're looking at a player. And uh, he shows up right behind Carlos Gonzalez, and he's an $18 player, sandwiched between Carlos Gonzalez at $18.50 and Michael Brantley at $17.50. And for everything that you want to say about Michael Brantley that's good, there's way more for a 29-year-old that just had that power out Taking the words out of my mouth, literally. I just pulled up Brantley's profile. There's there's like – there's way more – you look at, at Blackman's minor league history, there's way more believability in the, the power he showed. I mean, I'm not saying that Brantley can't do it again, but you know, he did change his, his, his output a little bit. But I think there's way more regression coming from, Black, uh, from Brantley just to being his old self. I mean, if you're talking about regressing back to the mean that was Blackman before this year and regressing back to the mean that was Brantley before this year – it's going to be harsher on. Yeah, Brantley. no, I, and I love Brantley. I actually buy him as legitimate. I'm, I'm saying full buy in. But I was going to compare the two, because you mentioned a bunch of average, solid average, maybe a tick above tools, what they add up to, and that's what was happening with Brantley. And then he took a step forward, but he had those, those couple of seasons where it was just kind of building and building, and he was solid average, solid average. Well, then he took a step forward, obviously last year, uh, with stuff, but. It, that could easily be his career year. And then he comes back down to this still solid average, really good profile. And uh, no, I, I hear you on Blackman with regards to that. And again, if you want to hate on home road splits, he's still in Colorado. He's not going anywhere. So I, I do think that there might be a little bit too much uh, disdain for Blackman, especially when you kind of compare it to the pumping up of Dickerson. I'm not sure that they're as far apart as some are making them. Uh, well, here's a, here's the uh, here's the kicker. Uh, Dickerson shows up behind Brantley at fifteen dollars. I will say that's because of the plate appearances. Probably Dickerson is projected by a steamer or our our, our lovely f- fellows in the um, in the uh, depth chart business. They they've got him for five hundred twenty one plate appearances, while they have Charlie Blackman for six hundred fifty two. Mm-hmm. If you flip those, you probably flip those players, sure. but you're you're flipping Charlie Blackman down to a $15 player who's right next to Juana Cespedes and George Springer, which is not where he's necessarily going. Yeah. And and you're flipping Dickerson up to to uh, right next to Carlos Gonzalez, which that's fine by me. I, I actually think that Corey Dickerson can handle the lefties enough. You know, I'm I'm a little worried that they 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 went through a whole season, especially a season where they weren't that good. Why did they just let him and, play? Yeah. I'm a little bit worried about that. Yeah, they, they, they should but. have given him a shot to at least handle it. Um, all right, we got to talk pitchers on this club. Now, this this one might be funnier <laughs> than Arizona, to be honest, because like like we Did we have to as we covered, there are at least intriguing assets in Arizona. They're raw. They they've got steps to take. I'm not even sure we've got much of that here with Colorado. So um, you don't have to pick a starter. I'll, I'll leave it open for you to pick pick your guy in the bullpen, but uh, who, who do you like on this club? I think we'll talk about my bullpen guy eventually, so let me Oh, yeah, I think I put try. that on there. Let me try. I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, I'll go while you're trying, because I, I actually just wrote up Tyler Matzik, so I feel, I feel like yeah, I can I talk about him. You know, he, he's not great, but I know that's a ringing endorsement right out of the gate to be like, hey, this guy's <laughs> not that good. 
Um, no, <laughs> I, I understand. So I guess because you know the comments were like, "This guy sucks." I'm like, "Well, I said deep league sleeper for one." Um, because he rebuilt his career. I mean, it was done. This was the kind of guy that you see flame out and just disappear. And and he didn't let that happen. He had a 21% walk rate for a full season uh, in, in the minors. You know, it was, or not even a full season, but like 97 innings, pretty close. I mean, that's that's obscene. That's not even funny, a 21% walk rate. He could not find <laughs> the plate. Everything was broken. And he still walks entirely too many batters right now. But he got it to at least a manageable level to where he could string together some, some outings here. And he wasn't putting so much traffic on, on the bases that he's out every third inning. And when he got going, it was actually not the fastball uh, that kind of fueled his surge. He was getting the slider over for first pitch strikes, which I found interesting. He still needs to figure out a way though, to throw that fastball for a first pitch strike uh, to stop getting behind in so many counts, I, actually to just throw it for strikes in general, but uh, obviously getting ahead would, would, would be ideal. I'm not saying this guy is going to be a stud. I'm, I'm really not. But he was a blue chipper. I think he does have the stuff that can succeed in, in Coors. He's got strikeout potential. He's got velocity from the left side. And he is still young. You know, we're still talking about a 24-year-old. Still work to be done. This is deep, deep league, $1 reserve kind of stuff. But I, I, I'm not uh, – I'm not I'm – not, jumping off of Tyler Matzik's train just yet. Yeah, you know, I just wish he was right-handed, actually, because he the change is really bad, and I, and I don't see any hope for it in the shape of it or the velocity. So, you know, I just – that just means that he's throwing a lot of sliders to righties in Coors. That, that is and, dangerous. Uh, that, that can be known as a T. Uh, that you're that you're putting the ball on. Yeah, the, the the funny thing is, well, at least from the the one person that I spoke to, the changeup actually used to be quite a bit worse. So, I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned it took a massive jump, and and one of the commenters was like, "No, it's still garbage." I'm like, "Hey, you should have seen where it came from. You know, it's NSFW where it came from. It actually did. It took a jump to get to the level that it's at. Maybe I should have been clearer on that when I said it took a massive jump, but still sucks." But I did want to. I, I wanted to give him some credit for at least getting it to be something that, you know, uh, you could actually use in a major league game without being completely laughed out of the building. But he either needs to, yeah, he needs to find something new there. Uh, but that's very interesting. I didn't even think about that. It almost would be better. We talk about how much of an advantage it is to be a left-handed pitcher. In this instance, it might actually be better if he was righty because of that slider uh, and in that ballpark. But now you have to pick a pitcher. <laughs> Um, well, I, I guess I could I could cheat and pick John Gray. No, but, do it. That's fine. Uh, he, 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 he could, you don't have to. I mean, I'm not going to make you pick like Kendrick or Lyles. Basically, Del, De Rosa kind of is what he is. And then maybe if you were going to talk Shasin. But no, talk, talk, some, talk some John Gray. What do you got on him? Well, the, the nice thing is that Kylie put plus grades on his three pitches. Um, and the question mark is, is then command, I guess, even though he had great walk rates in the minors, you know, sometimes with great stuff, you don't necessarily have to have great command. So, um, you know, the velocity also, I think, is something we need to wa watch in his in the spring. I mean, he used to be a plus velocity guy, and then he was he down. He used to be plus plus. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, I think that's a, that's a big thing to look for is the, is the velocity and, um, and, and I guess the command. But, you know, he got an invitation to, to, to major league spring training. He's, 
you know, he just got to jump over a bunch of bad pitchers. And uh, and he could do it, I guess. Uh, Bergman is interesting. He's like a real sinker guy. Um, Eddie Butler. I love Eddie Butler. You know, we we you know we can't hate on like we we soured on that dude so Not fast. Me. I mean, I I'm, st- I'm still it. there. I'm still I'm still there with Butler. I was big on him last year. I thought he could be the guy who could come in and kind of do the leapfrog thing that you're talking about with you know, with Gray having a chance to do. So no, I'm I'm still gonna stick. I'm still gonna ride with Butler. He has, he has. A, I think the changeup is good, and I think the the slider got decent results in a really small sample, and, and has nice movement. Uh, he had above average velocity, and if he if he's if he's healthy, um, you know, I just hate to hear shoulder. Yeah, no, the, the health concern is is the big one, but I'm not I'm not looking at those 16 innings from last year and and getting bent out of shape about it at all. I'm I'm really not that worried. He basically steamer is, however, but, and, and that's, you know. <laughs> well, one thing is that, that, that he doesn't have good strikeout rates in the minors. But I will say that I do know this for a fact. They were asking him to work on a Exactly. Slide. So, you know, that could be one of those things where if you look, look go look up uh, Sonny Gray's minor league stats. And, and Sonny Gray told me, same thing. I had to work on my changeup, and they uh, and they try to change my entire delivery. That's why you can't get too hung up. Like we can use them. We talk about, you know, we talk about minor league numbers all the time, but we try not to make definitive statements one way or the other and say, well, he can't do this because of it. I think a little bit more with hitters than pitchers. I mean, with hitters, what are they asking you to work on? It's it's the same playbook. They want you to see strikes and hit them. You know, but with pitchers, it could be all over the map. They could be throwing ten of the same pitch in a row for crying out loud. Uh, that's what Dan Stanley told me. He told me they told him to throw changeups, and he told me that one start he he hadn't thrown his his allotted changeups, so he just threw ten changeups. There you go. I mean, and we and and if we don't know that sort of stuff, we look at the numbers, and and maybe in that outing, eight of them got blasted, and so he gave up nine earned runs, and it completely inflates his ERA, and you're like, oh, I don't want to take that guy. He had a bad AAA ERA. You you just you got to be careful. You got to try to get as much as you can on those guys because we just don't know what they're working on. So I actually, well, actually, yeah, I think out of everybody, I'm not sure. I, I guess I would just listen for Eddie Butler and John yep. Gray. You know, there's a possibility both make it and they're, they're much more exciting than the guys ahead Absolutely. of them. Um, and, uh, and I'm not sure they're mixed leaguers just because it's Colorado. Their steamer projections are terrible. They're, you know, the, even as prospects, and I, you don't have to do everything on steamer, but even as prospects, there was some shine taken off. John Gray, you know, the velocity was down, and there's some question about his command. Eddie Butler, there's some question about his slider. So, and there's the health. So there's there's question marks there. And, no, that know. that makes total sense. But yeah, you have to keep them in mind. If they do make that, if, if one of them has that big spring, and you're in a super deep mixer or an NL only. They become intriguing options, and if it's an NL only redraft, then obviously they're not going to be kept or anything like that. And if, if you're a March third, if you're like a March thirtieth draft, I've got a I've got a draft April fourth. Oh wow, that's uh, Easter, isn't it? Oh, no, that's Saturday. If if they make the rotation, they might be mixed leaguers because at some point people. I mean, remember who Maldo Jimenez when he was young? Yeah. There there are people that have enough stuff when they're young to, to oh, survive. Oh, both of these guys do, and if they're doing enough to make it. You know, it, for them to make the distinction that they that they can make the team, they've got enough stuff to survive there. So I, I wouldn't mind taking a chance. I don't know, like I said, how it maybe not not in like a 12, 12 team. It would really depend. 
But anything bigger than that, I, I like both of these guys. The upside is immense. So I will be monitoring both for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then I just want to point out, I've said in the past that I like David Hale. Um, I liked him a lot better in Atlanta. And the reason is I liked – he's kind of like one of these peripheral guys where the fastball is a little bit iffy, um, the command is a little bit iffy, but the changeup and the breaking ball got good results. The problem is that the breaking ball that got good results is a curve where Oof. Butler – Gray, it's a little bit more sliderish. Um, Hale's curve is going to suffer a little bit in Colorado, and so uh, um, that's a real deep league selection for me at this point. Yeah, I remember um, reading something where you had said some nice things about him, and then I was like, "Oh, the move to Colorado that can't help." We we actually <laughs> incidentally kind of covered uh, all the hitting questions I was going to ask about Dickerson, Nolan Arenado, Blackman. So let's close up with you talking about Adam Adovino because I think he. Uh, in addition to just being like a really smart and seemingly pretty cool dude, he also has, I think, a legitimate chance at maybe grabbing that closers role. What do you know about Adovino, yeah. and do you think that that's a possibility with, uh, I believe, what I called the the zombie Latroy Hawkins uh, holding holding the job currently? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's a lot of it's about splits with with Adovino because he's a fastball slider guy, and you know. Admittedly, he hasn't had uh, he hasn't had great splits against lefties. Um, his career home runs per night it was a little bit worse last year, which you know can happen in Colorado. But he, he gave up almost a homer and a half per nine innings against lefties last Ooh. year. And uh, but you know he had the best strikeout minus walk rate of his career against lefties last year. So had some improvement, he told me, but there were some mistakes. Yeah, and he told me that. Um, you know that he has two breaking balls, and you sh- I have a grips piece out on him. And you know, he has a basically a big, a big kind of curvy slider that he uses against lefties. That's enough for me. I mean, that's what Gregerson did, and Gregerson didn't really have the splits. And and actually, Ottavino was in the minor league system with Gregerson and said, "I saw Gregerson use multiple sliders, and then I developed my own multiple sliders." So, you know, Ottavino is really smart like this. He picked me out of the clubhouse and was like, "Let's talk." And then he asked me to look up what, how Steve Sishek did it. So I looked up how Steve Sishek did it. Then he read Mike Petriello's piece about Sean Doolittle's uh, high fastballs, and he started throwing more high fastballs. So this dude is is plugged in and, and is doing the best to get what he, what he can out of what is, I think, a good arsenal in terms of now that he's in the bullpen. Um, he, you know, there's a ton of fastball slider guys out there that don't have the velocity he does at 94. And... Um, you know, there's a little bit of risk with the the fast the slider usage up that high, but it also means that batters have no idea what's coming if it's a slider or a fastball. And you know, he kind of pushed the percentages where it's kind of 50-50, yeah. and um, and that's going to do wonders for your strikeout rate, which it has great whiff rate. He can command the ball, gets good grounders. I mean, he's. He's good. Yeah, he where, is a former first rounder by the Cardinals, you know, 30th pick yeah. in 2006, too. So that's got some pedigree to go with it. Um, I'm definitely taking this guy in in a lot of different leagues. A lot of, you know, obviously no 10 team mix, probably no 12 team mix unless he stole the job. But any other league format, unless that 12 team mix had a lot of reserves and I was specking for saves. I like this guy because he's one of those types, and I know it was 360 ERA last year, but 264 the year before. So even if he doesn't close right away, he can give you Ks and help your ERA a bit. I'm very interested in him. I think he's going to wind up with that closer's job before the year's out. 
I'll, I'll say that right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I made that bet last year, and I and I, I double down. But that doesn't mean double down on that again. Bet. Yeah, I mean, it's there's it's it's decent. And I think what I end up doing a lot of times, even in mixed leagues, is uh, do something like uh, get the cheapest, one of the cheapest uh, elite guys. So um, do little McGee Jansen, okay. right? Uh, and then try to get in, get one of the last, you know, guys who is actually a closer. And, you know, I would put Robertson in that group. Whoever's in, but Robertson might have some helium considering the guys are getting hurt around him. Uh, but, you know, Wait, did, you know, one of those. David guys, Robertson? Hey, yeah. No, he is an elite closer. Right. So I'm saying he's going to, he's, he's going to be too expensive for me. Oh, okay. So okay. I'm going to be. Yeah. You're saying you're not in. I thought you were saying he's one of the bottom tier closers. My fault. No, I'm saying bottom tier elite. So, okay. Yes, you know, yes, yes. This is my closer. This is my closer strategy. Is try to get one of the last elite guys. So that's, I'm guessing that Robertson's going to be too expensive for me, and it's going to be more like um, I'm going to be looking at Doolittle. I've tried to maybe stay above McGee because um, his situation is a little bit worse with the injury. Also, his team. Do they handle you know, it? Yep. Yeah, they're crazy. So. It, you know, Batanzas, I doubt. If Batanzas, he's going to have too much helium, especially if you're in a league with me. Yeah. So you can you can you can right. eliminate that. So, but I hear you. Like Doolittle, yeah. Rosenthal. Do you consider Cishek elite? Would he be the back end elite, or is he that next tier down? I think I'd rather get him in the next tier, and so I'd rather get uh, you know a real nice situation, and maybe sometimes I double dip um, and try to get you know guys right around a tier uh, switch. So maybe I could do Doolittle, Cishek. Uh, but then a lot of times I take I take I take time mm-hmm. off, and when it comes to guys like Rodney, um, you know, uh, Britton, um, Nathan, you know, they're established, but there's reasons that I'm worried about them. Major daylight, um, as you would say. Yeah, and I just and even with Britton, you know, he's just not giving you the strikeout rate goodness, you know, that you want. Um, and, uh, so I'll probably take a break there and then I want to jump back in and get one of the last established guys. Like Casilla? Um, or Mejia. Yeah, maybe. Mejia, I think uh, would be a good Perkins, one. If, if the, if people are worried about the injury, Perkins, um, I'm, I'm thinking maybe a little bit higher than you're like thinking. Hector but, Rondon? Um. Storin? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, I would take. I would just basically take any of those guys that drops. That's not um, Nestali Feliz. Someone that's um, not necessarily or, one foot out already. They're 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 pretty Mejia, in. Yeah, I would. I, Mejia, I would then put in the last. I try to get four. Okay. Points. Oh wow. So, I usually only go for three. So max. what I try to do is get the cheapest of the top three tiers, and then take guys that I that aren't necessarily a closer yet. So then I would actually take Ottavino because the reason I take Ottavino is because I took the cheapest of every tier. Got you. You know? And I and I'm trying to then maybe maybe I have four and I can either double up and get, you know, get a get a an elite closer back later on, or I thirty three percent of the closers lose their jobs to injury or or um ineffectiveness. So, you know, odds are I lose one and I have a fourth as a backup plan. And that's where I take um, Henry Mejia. Uh, that's where if, if K Rod's not signed or or Soriano's not signed, I think I, I'd put Romo in there, Marer and Kelly. Ken Giles, unless you're drafting with me and Jason. Right, Ken Giles if Papelbon's still there, Marer and Kelly in San Diego, uh, Shepers, 
Shepherds and Fujikawa. Yeah. So you start specking at, the, at that point. Yeah, and I'll just take I'll take one of those, and I will take maybe even two, depending on how many reserve spots I have. And that's and that's where um, that's where I'll take guys, and I and I'll take out of you know in in that sort of situation. Nice. Even in a yeah, no, I, I I like that. I, I like kind of obviously you want to work on the back end of the tiers there. Um, if I if I'm not going to do something like that, then I'm going to go hard at that point. I'm either going to I'm going to try to get two of Chapman, uh, Holland, Robertson, Melanson, Batances, Allen. I, if I get two of those. It's that way you're kind of you're 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 removing a lot more of the ineffectiveness risk. Yes, where, it's know, two different strategies for sure. But I like it's still the injury risk, but, but the the ineffectiveness risk. I, I I I'll have to look at that because I the last time I checked the the sort of 33 percent of their losing their jobs or nothing. I didn't really tier them. So maybe if I take top 10 closers, maybe. Well, they, because there's you know, been a pretty stable pool now for a few years. These guys, Chapman, Kimbrell, Holland, Jansen, uh, Robertson, you know, that, that, that's been a pretty stable group. I think, you know, he's not up there because of the strikeouts, but somebody like Houston Street, the only thing that's been a problem with him has been health. So he's got, he's got the injury yeah. piece that you're talking about. But in terms of that elite tier, it's been pretty stable for a good, what, four – uh, five to six guys for a couple of years. So um, I do think Melanson, and Batances and Allen are going to, are going to join that. I'm still not giving up on Rosenthal either, but out a guy, yeah. keep an eye on him. $1 him. You, you folks out there, NL only not even going to be on the radar for some of your, your league mates. So, so just snap him for a buck late and they'll be like, Oh, who, who'd he draft? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Then you're going to have a closer on your hands. It's going <laughs> to be great. That, the magic run out for Detroit. So. It, it has to. I I, I respect what he's doing, so. but uh, I just I can't see it lasting, even though he doesn't like you. Maybe. Oh, I, I actually looked up uh, his combination of strikeouts, walks, and ground balls, and he was the third worst closer of all time. Oh my god! By those three matches. That's not good. That's just not good. He was right by Joe Borowski and. Uh, I oh, Joe Borowski. God, I remember him. <laughs> oh, man, he was so bad. And it's like, oh, you're just going to get the saves, but you're really going <laughs> to. It's like, you know, it's like I'm going to give you a few bucks, but I'm going to kick you right in the junk every time I hand you a dollar. Like that's <laughs> Because you're kicking me right in the yeah, junk. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like that, that's what it was like. You know, he's like, okay, I'm going to give you a few dollars of value, but with a swift kick as well. Not not good. That's what Hawkins is like this year. I, I, I'm not I'm not even messing with that again this year. Um that's going to wrap us up for the show and for Colorado. Uh, when we come back on Tuesday, I don't know what division we'll be on. You know, maybe you and I will be finishing it up. Jason and I will f- try to finish the NL West, and then we'll, you and I will go to a new division. But until then, by the, by the next time that we speak, folks should have already been able to dig into the Puckshin Nalculator. But look for it on Monday and definitely tweet Eno all hours of the night asking him where it is. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk in a few days, Eno. Sound good? All right.